Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for what we've heard tonight, what we've sung tonight, uh, for the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that as we open it one last time, that you would be here, that you would speak to us, that you would help us to be ready and willing to obey whatever you called us to, to do, to be, um, to decide. Lord, just give us courage. And uh, Lord, I pray that in this message, Christ is honored and glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The last message, stand firm together. Stand together. There was a man named Wilt Chamberlain. You may have heard of him. He was a basketball player. And in 1961-62, he had his best seasons. 61-62 and 63-64, he averaged 50.4 points a game. That's, that's unheard of. Next season, 44.8. That's insane. In, in that season, he scored a game with 100 points. And one of the reasons he did so well was because in that season, he changed the way he shot free throws in those two seasons. He began his career shooting free throws like everybody does. But for two seasons, Rick Barry taught him how to do it differently. So he would go to the free throw line, take the ball like this, and do that. A granny shot. And do you know what happened? His percentage went from around 50%, which is really bad, to around 80%, which is really good. And what happened is people who used to foul Will Chamberlain because they thought, you know, if I, if I foul him, he won't get two points. He'll only get one point. They had to rethink that strategy. And so in those seasons, he did unbelievable things that will never be rivaled again in basketball. Nobody can touch those records. But what's crazy is after two seasons, he switched back. And you know what happened? He went back to 50%. And do you, do you know why? In fact, some, some seasons he was below 50%. Do you know what he said? He said he didn't want people to think he was a wimp. Wilt Chamberlain is seven foot two, 300 and something pounds. Nobody, nobody thinks he's a wimp. He's one of the best basketball players to ever live, but for the rest of his career, he didn't, do very, he didn't do nearly as well as he could have because he was afraid of what people would think. He didn't do what he knew worked and what was right because he just thought others would think he's a wimp. <clears throat> the topic tonight, standing together, is not just to convince you that within this room, you need to help each other. Now, obviously, I think that's true. You should help each other grow in your Christian lives. And it's not just about unity in general. What I want to talk about tonight is to convince you that the church, that the local church and the universal church, but the local church we're specifically talking about tonight, is essential in your growth as a believer in Christ. It is the church has an essential role that is designed by God in you becoming more like his son Jesus. And you will never become more like his son Jesus the way God wants you to without the church because God's design was the church. My fear is that there are many people, many not just teenagers, there are tons of adults in churches today that have no idea what church is supposed to be about. And for them, it's a consumer type of thing. I go to this church because the preacher is good. I go to this church because the music is good. I'm going to go to like this program and we pick and choose all of the things that we want to do and we never really get involved and, and become a part of a church and serve in a church because we're taking this here and we're taking this here and we're grabbing this here and it's all about consuming. 
And that is not the church. That is the, that is the world that we live in. Consumerism. But it's not what the church was meant to be. And so I want you guys to realize what Charles Spurgeon knew. That the church is the dearest place on earth. That seems strange, doesn't it? Church is boring. I think that that's the attitude a lot of people, a lot of people and young people have. The church is something you have to go to, you know? You got to sit through, you got to make it through it because it's the right thing to do or something. And I want you to change your idea from what church is that it's not just a, an hour on Sunday. It's certainly not a building. The church is a group of people that you're joined together with to help you grow in your relationship with Christ and for you to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. And what I would tell you is, if you have any desire to stand firm for Christ in this world, you will never do it without a good church surrounding you. You won't, because that's not God's plan. I want to read some verses from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. And this is, if you know the book of Ephesians, Paul has transitioned from telling us what the gospel does to us. In other words, who we become in the first three chapters because of the gospel. To now how do we live this Christian life out? Chapters 4 to 6. So so when uh, Tyler talked about the armor of God in chapter 6, that is how to live out. How do we, we stand firm in this world is to put on the right armor. But chapter 4, he says this, that we should be no longer children. So we don't want to stay babies in our faith. We want to grow up. We don't, we don't want to be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In other words, we don't want it to be that like, hey, you watch this like television show and, and this guy had a really big smile and a really nice philosophy and he sounded smart and so I'm just going to believe him. No, it, this is craftiness. It's the world's philosophy. It's, it's the ideas that come in that aren't biblical, but they sound really sweet and they're presented really well. He says, we shouldn't be tossed to and fro. you got to learn to stand firm. Instead, he says, but speaking the truth in love. And I'm going to argue, and I always argue, that you, if you take truth out of love, you no longer have love. And if you take love out of truth, all you have is brutality. It's terrible. And so you, you need to have those two things. Speak the truth in love. And that's what the church is meant to do to one another. So we speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Goal is growth in Christ. From whom the whole body, so the whole body of Christ, all believers within the church, are joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There's a lot there at the end, but what he's saying is that you come together as the church, and then you have all of these different parts who begin to work together in one another's life, and they all put in their gifts, what God has made them to be able to do and to share, and what the Spirit of God is working there. And, and they, we come together so that all of us together grow up in Christ. It's the design of the church. It's the beauty of the church. 
into something that you actually can't do by yourself. You cannot benefit from another person's spiritual gift if you're never around them. It's impossible. And you cannot share your gifts with others if you're not around them. So the the idea is you need the church and the church needs you. So think about that for a second. You, if you're going to grow in your faith in Christ, need the church. And I'm not just talking about youth group. There isn't actually a youth group in the church. I'm talking about young to old. You need the church. And the church needs you. Because that's how we all grow together. Ten reasons you should think highly of the church. I had a plan to explain all these. Now I'm just going to say them. Okay, And you can study them or ask me later. Um, But ten reasons you should think highly of the church. Number one, Jesus instituted the church and is the head of the church. He started it. His idea, his plan, not mine, nobody else's. This is Jesus. If you don't like it, take it up with him. He started it and he's the head of it. Number two, Jesus died for the church. He he loved the church enough to die for it. You say he died for the world. Yes, he did. He died so that he could save people out of the world and bring them into his church. The work of Jesus that he started while he was on earth continues primarily through the church. So he starts this thing. He's got his work of bringing the lost, seeking to saving that which is lost, bringing lost people to him, and then he hands the torch on to the church that he started. He didn't hand it on to individuals. All those people, all the disciples, all the apostles, they were a part of a larger institution that he was passing on because it's not about one guy anymore. It's about Jesus always, but it's, it's about what he's doing through his church. In fact, he said, I will build my church. His work to build, he owns it. Great Commission works through the church. Look at the book of Acts. All that was happening was happening through the church. How are we supposed to be a light to the world? Well, we are a light when we are believers who go out and then also come back and love one another and, and grow together and then go out and we are light. And then we come back and we refuel and we worship and, and it all happens in connection to the church. Number four, 11 of the New Testament books were written directly to a church. 11. That's close to half of the New Testament books are written directly to a church, four to church leaders, so four additional church leaders, and all 27 were written to people within a church. Not only that, all 27 were written to, written by people who were within a church. So I guess the, the point is, when some people say, like, I don't need the church, I'm going to grow in my Christian life, I'd be like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're going to grow with the Bible that was given to the church, that was written by people in the church? That, that presents this plan of the church to help you grow? It doesn't make any sense. You can't just separate those things. Um, the Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground of truth. Okay? And you have a lot of wacky people on the internet that will try and teach you some crazy ideas. So what do we do with that? Well, we've got people in the church. And the people in the church can help us to understand what truth is because we are, we are tasked with protecting and and then teaching the whole counsel of God. Number seven, the church is 
the bride of Christ. Okay, I love my wife. If you insulted me, it'd be okay. I can take it. You insult my wife, you're in trouble. All right? If you attack me, whatever. You know, I'll take you just like I took John the Baptist. <laughs> but but don't don't touch my wife. Okay. And this is the point is like as a husband, what I think of like I love my wife, I want to protect my wife and and I don't want anybody to mess with her. And and when people like they're like, "Hey, I want Jesus, but I just don't want the church." I'm like, "How do you think Jesus feels about that?" You don't want my bride? I, like, he says that the church is the bride of Christ. In fact, one of the greatest events in human history that we're looking forward to is the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is this picture of, like, Jesus, who's the bridegroom, who's prepared his bride, the church, for this amazing marriage feast, and then forever we are together in heaven. It's a beautiful picture. I actually think that the, the greatest purpose in marriage is to be a reflection of Christ's love and sacrifice and leadership of the church and the church's submission to Christ. That's what it's about, Ephesians chapter 5. Number 8, the church is the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, 1 Corinthians 12, you can look that up, but it is the body of Christ. Number 9, the church is the household of God, the family of God. Number, I skipped one. I skip number five. Uh, God's plan for your growth revolves around the local church. I said that, but I didn't, it wasn't in the list. Um, and, and one of the things I just want to mention with this is that we've talked about how do you grow as a Christian, Bible study, okay, Re- reading your Bible, be in it, prayer. Um, but do you understand that, that if we look to the scriptures, for example, of Bible study and prayer, it's almost always corporate. It's, it's very rarely individually done. Like, prayer seems like a very personal thing, but when you look to the book of Acts, when people were praying, they were praying together. When they were studying the word and learning, they were learning and growing together. And, and I love that we can now take this home with us. I love the fact that I've actually stolen Josh's Bible, and I have it here, and, and I could just take it home with me, right? Um, he might kill me, though. But, what is happening? Um, however, guys... If, if all you think you're going to do is, is study the Bible all by yourself and never like talk to another believer about it, and never, never come and be under the Word of God and preaching and teaching and all those things, then you're missing the idea of this thing. For 1,500 years, the church existed without individuals having their copies because they came together to study and to grow together. Because that's the idea. The church is a family. We're supposed to be close. And we are so individualistic in our society. And the church maybe is the answer for our crazy individualism. It's not meant to be like that. We should depend on one another. That's how God designed us. It is the place that we hear the preaching of the word, that we're rebuked, corrected, instructed, encouraged, and that we receive a new perspective, where we come for corporate worship and corporate prayer, where we have fellowship with other believers, where we can obey God. There's a lot of things you can't, a lot of ways you can't obey God if you're not a part of a church. Um, it's where we celebrate the ordinances. Baptism, Lord's Supper, I think, are beautiful things that Jesus commanded. That's, they're commanded to be done within a church. Um, we exercise our spiritual gifts here. We find godly mentors and we bear one another's burdens. One thing that struck me today, we, we had the guys thing out there and all of the guys shared, all of the men, the um, volunteers, the helpers, the leaders uh, shared something they wish that they could have told their teenage self. 
And it was really neat to hear because they were just like, it was amazing, wonderful wisdom. But almost all of the things, if not all of the things, would be connected to a local church, right? I mean, like, where do you find Christian friends? In your church. Where do you find godly mentors? In your church. Where do you find true acceptance? Where people, not, like certainly God accepts you, but where do you find where people will accept that you're broken, but you're, you're growing and you're, that's, that's the church, right? It's, and so all down the list, accountability, right? It's the church. I remember going to youth conferences as a teenager. I remember going there and hearing some great preaching and making big decisions, okay? And, and, and so I love these things. That's why we're doing this. But I want you to understand that you can come and you can make good decisions, but if you don't surround yourself with believers who love you, then the chances of you keeping those things are very slim. Okay? You're not going to do it just on sheer willpower. You need to be surrounded by believers who love you and help you to do what God wants you to do. That's his design for the church. Um, I had asked Ian Cameron, who's a godly man in our church. He's about 90 years old. He's dying of cancer. Uh, and truly, I think, the most godly man I've, I've ever met. And I asked him for advice that I could give teenagers. And his eyes just lit up. And it was like he, he just couldn't believe he had this opportunity, you know, toward the end of his life to speak truth into teenagers. I just want to tell you what he said, because I said this after we'd planned the conference and all of the, the lessons had been given out. And he said, number one, know Christ. Be in Christ. Okay, if you don't know Christ, you need to know Christ. Know that you know. Number two, attend and be active in church. That was his advice. Be a part of a church family, not just like attending every once in a while, but be there. Be regular. When the doors are open, try to be there. Be engaged, be involved. Number three, he said, get into your Bible. Get a good grasp on, on the scriptures. Okay, pay attention. Try to learn something when you read. Don't just check off a box. Okay, these are the words of God. And I, I got to tell you, he said that. He looked at me and he said, these are the words of God. And when he said it, I was like, man, if they could hear you say that, they would understand that this is not just a book written by humans. This is not just a book we like to set aside and don't worry about. This is, this is God, the creator of the universe, who's written something that we can actually read and learn everything we need to know about this life and about God and about ourselves. It's crazy what we have here. And so know the scriptures. And then number four, he said, learn to pray. And it's not, I like that he said, learn to pray. It's not just like, oh, pray more. Okay, yeah, that's, that's true. We should pray more. But actually care about learning to pray. Okay? It's, you're talking to your Heavenly Father, but there's also some wonderful examples of prayer and wonderful instruction on prayer in the Bible. So learn to pray. And he said, the best way to learn to pray is just by praying. So pray often. And then the last thing he said, and so this is going to be our challenge tonight. And this is what we're going to leave you with is he says, be ready to accept God's purpose for you. Be ready to accept God's purpose for you. So my challenge for you tonight is, are you ready to accept God's will for your life? Whatever God wants for your life. Okay, I've been to conferences before where they acted like if you wanted to be in the will of God, you had to come to the front of the church 
and promise him that you would be either a missionary, a pastor, or a pastor's wife. Those were like the three options available if you really wanted to be in God's will. Okay, I don't believe that at all. Okay? However, I also think that if God wants you to be a pastor or a missionary or a pastor's wife, then you should be honored. Yes, Lord, I would love to serve you with my life. And if you're sitting there like, I don't know if God wants me to be those things, can I tell you something? God wants you to serve him with your life. If it's as a teacher or an electrician or a plumber or a lawyer even. Okay, guys, listen. Like, decide that you're going to live this life for the glory of God. And, and if you don't make the church a, a part of this whole thing, you'll miss it. But if you will decide... I'm going to do the things, I'm going to, I'm going to know Jesus, I'm going to pray, I'm going to get into the word, I'm going to be a part of a church, and I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do with my life. That is a, the best decision you can make as a believer in Christ. To give your life to God. If you've never done that, I would, I would encourage you to tonight make that decision. God, my life is yours. Okay, And you don't have to make that decision weeping at the front, but you can. But you can make that decision in your, in your seat. You can make a decision talking to one of our leaders afterward. All right? Don't leave this conference having heard a lot of truth and doing absolutely nothing about it. Okay? You've heard enough truth. So respond. Okay? Do what God wants you to do. Be obedient to his spirit. That's all I'm praying for. That's all we can ask. All right? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. While I'm praying, if you have a desire to talk to a leader about anything, if you're like, hey, I, I, you know, I, I want to give my life to the Lord, or I want to know more about Jesus, or I'm just struggling in a certain area, or I just need prayer, whatever it is, if you want to do that, there are going to be some leaders that will meet you in the back. Um, find one that you know, or even if you don't know them, talk to them. Okay, They love you, and they want to help you. And so um, as I pray, you can slip out in the back, find a quiet space with, with one of the leaders, and you can, you can pray for a few minutes, all right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, uh, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent us your son, even though we were in our sin and we were rebels against you. Um, Lord, that you provided a way for us to be right with you, to be reconciled to you. Lord, if there's one here tonight that doesn't know you as their savior, God, I pray that you would work in their heart and convict them. Help them to see that, that Christ died because he loves them and he wants to spend eternity with them and that he is our only hope. And Lord, I pray that they have the courage to respond to the gospel. And, and God, I also pray for those who are here that they know Jesus, um, but I don't know if they've, maybe they don't know if they've given their life to you to, to honor you with it, to serve you in whatever way you want, to be uh, willing to be whatever you want them to be. Lord, I pray that we would surrender our future to you, um, that we would not just expect eternal life, but say, God, my life, my body, everything I am is yours now to take and to use however you want to. And God, I pray that you'd help believers tonight to make that decision. Um, Lord, we are all are frail and failing, oh Lord, but you are good and gracious and kind. And so I pray you'd work, um, your spirit would teach and convict and guide and embolden and, and give courage and power to us um, as we seek to obey you and to do your will. 
Lord, I thank you for uh, this conference and for these teenagers. And we love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.